0: Um, as far as last week when we when we talked about where we could find our purpose, um, we we launched what we call small groups here at City Chapel and small groups we had about 11 of them these are s- small groups of people who meet outside of a church setting. They meet in their home they meet in a park they meet at Starbucks um, they meet for fantasy football come on somebody um, yeah and uh, Ricky and I are meeting this our teams are meeting this afternoon and uh, He's gonna, he's gonna lose, unfortunately, for him. So everybody, just stretch your hands and let's pray for, for Ricky. He's gonna need some prayer. <laughs> no, he has Gronkowski. Gronkowski like tore it up Thursday night. So I don't know. It's it's looking a little bit, looking a little bit, you know, with deflated balls and everything. They're just, they're just, they're doing it. Um, anyway. Uh, but we 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 launched small groups, which means we started about eleven different groups, and um, I put out the challenge to you all to join a group. And it was so cool. Um, after after Sunday morning, I got with all the groups. I said, "All right, send me how many people signed up for your group? How many, how many people signed up for your group? And just just let's just let's just look and see how many folks we have in a small group." And um, now now we didn't now this is including those who registered prior um, to Sunday, but including people who reg- registered prior to Sunday, and then you all who registered last Sunday. Um, we had at the end of the day 162 names of people who said I want to be in a small group 162 which I was pretty I was pretty pumped about that and it was kind of interesting because um, the next day I was talking to Emilio, and I was asking him about the teens, because there was only three teenagers that signed up, and I was like, "I think we have more than three teenagers in the church. Um, you know uh, do these people know that we have a small group for them and And so he was saying, "Yes, yes, you know, I forgot to tell you that there were more than three there was actually there was like eight like 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 eight more, and so so he gave me that number, so when you add that together to one sixty two that equals one hundred seventy and that's important to me because about a month ago I felt like God was telling me to pray for 170 people on the first Sunday of September. And I was like you know because it's Labor Day weekend I'm like we're not going to have 170 people in church on the first Sunday. but I'll go ahead and pray. I didn't know I was praying for 170 people to sign up for small groups on the first Sunday of September, but I'm thrilled about that because it's one thing to come to church, it's another thing to be the church Monday through Saturday, and that's exactly what small groups are. And so we have small groups who meet to pray. We have small groups, uh, like, that's all they do. They just they just pray, and that is a powerful thing. And so we have small groups who, who meet on mission, is, is, is like what I like to say. So they meet specifically just to cry out to God and pray. And we also have small groups that meet, um, obviously, to play. Uh, we got, uh, you know, fantasy football. And, um, and then we had, for our first time ever, we had a men's small group um, uh, meeting this week. Yeah, we finally had a men's small group. So me and JT are leading that. And really, JT did such a great job, I probably won't show up. You know, next week I'll just be like, "You got it, dude." And uh, like, like, seriously, halfway through I'm gonna I'm gonna bail on you, and it's gonna be no. Uh, we're we're going through a book together with the guys, and I'm really it's not not it's not a guy book per se. It's a it's a Christian book. It's a book about experiencing Christ, and so I'm excited about that. And the women's group met at our house. My wife is leading that. There was like 18 ladies in our little house, and yeah, yeah, twenty thousand. There was twenty thousand ladies in our small group. It's, um, it's growing, <laughs> obviously. Uh, yeah, a lot of estrogen in that room. So I just went back to my bedroom and closed the door. I just, they weren't interested in fantasy football. I don't know why. It was so weird. Um, hey, if you guys can look at Pinterest, I can, I can have my fancy football. okay? That's, that's the way that works. Um, and so we ha- but we have all sorts of groups. and so th- we were, just, we're just getting started. Like we've literally I, I, every single group that I know of basically met and said, hey, how's it going? This is what we're going to be doing. So we haven't even technically started yet. So if you have not joined a small group yet, We want you to get plugged in. Um, If you're a guy, you're welcome to join the guys group. We have young adults groups that meet here in South Park Meadows, a young adult group that meets in San Marcos. Emilio is leading both of those. We have teenager groups um, of women's groups. Um, We have the Energizer group, which is very young people who are over 50 years old. Um, And if if you knew the leaders of the group, you would know why we called it Energizer group, because they... They are they are, I think they're some of the oldest folks in our church, like the like the you know the, the patriarchs of city chapel and, um, and they and they are the most energetic people in our church. Like they run circles around me, so you know that's 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 just how it how it is. And so, but we would love for you to be a part of that Christian community because that is, Honestly, that is where, that's the place where you find your purpose. Now, today we're going to talk about sort of the specifics of how, and so um, we're going to be looking at some of those things, but, but you've got to start looking in the right place. You've got to open yourself up to Christian community to say, I'm, I'm not going to be an island. I'm not going to live by myself, to myself. I'm not going to try to make this work on my own. I'm going to step into a loving community of people who will support me and will empower me. Um, to make the right decisions in my life because the truth is you do you yeah all right because you 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 are in a community like you are in a culture um you are maybe in a work maybe maybe at your place of work maybe it's your friends maybe it's school uh, uh, classmates but you are in a culture and they are push pushing and pulling you either toward Christ or away from Christ and so we want to we as much as possible we want we want you to step out of as as Peter said on on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.40, we want you to step out of this sick and stupid culture and uh, step into a life-giving God culture. That's really what we want for you. And so I encourage you to stop by the info table if you're interested in small groups. They can tell you what groups there are. They can take your information, and a leader will contact you um, this week. Now let's go ahead and read John uh, chapter 15. This has been our our key passage for um, how do I find my purpose, where do I find my purpose? John 15, verse 5 through 15, we're going to read this. This is Jesus um, talking to his disciples, and this is really Jesus talking to each and every one of us. Um, Y'all have it? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a second to find it. I think we're going to have it up on the screen here in a second. Yeah, there you go. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, we have a giant Bible right here. I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And so if you would like to know what your purpose is, I believe the purpose of all of us is the same uh, as Jesus is talking here. Our purpose is, first of all, to be connected to the vine, to be connected to the life source, Jesus Christ, and then to bear fruit. This is our purpose, that we would bring God glory, that we would bring him fame, that people would know God because we existed. He says, "This this, this is your purpose, and this is to my Father's glory. Verse 9, he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, I want you to remain in my love. And this is what we talked about last week. How do you remain? It's one thing to, to accept the love of Jesus, but how do you stay? How do you remain? He says, well, this is how you can remain. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and I remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The purpose behind the purpose, <laughs> the reason behind his purpose for you is so that his joy may be in you, that he may be joyful, that he may be glad when he sees us and knows us and, 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 observes, and observes us, but not only that his joy may be full, but that our joy may be full. It's amazing that when, that when he is uh, pleased, that when he is joyful, it's all, it also is the very thing that completes our joy. And so the purpose behind the purpose is that God wants you to live a joyful life. God wants you to live a, a life that is, has complete joy, that has absolute joy. And every time that we step away from God, we are not, we're not running toward joy. We're running away from joy. Every step away from God is a step away from joy. So he says this is the purpose behind the purpose. Your purpose is to bear fruit, but the reason why I want you to do this is because this is going to bring you the most joy of anything possible. And it's so true. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing to be following Jesus. Over the past eight months, we've been we've been we've been following him, and several of us have been getting here early uh, to help set up the stage and to and to serve. And then we go out into the community and we serve. And we it, and it's not and it's not strictly because Jesus told us to. Partly it's partly because it's so much fun to serve. It's so much fun to give. It's so much fun. It's so much. It's so joyful to be following God, to be a part of what he's doing on the planet, it gives your life so much purpose and so much meaning. Um, uh, we, 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 had, we adopted a, um, a lady and actually a family who was affected by the San Marcos flooding. And um, uh, we, we sort of put it out there to the church, hey, we want to support this, this one family. Like, we can't save everybody, but we can help one family. And so uh, JT helped, helped take the lead on that. And so we gathered a, a team of, of folks Uh, anybody that would come help us get all the stuff out of her house because the floods had come into her house and so we had to get all of her furniture and she's i don't know where she's from but she has she has i think native furniture from wherever it's not she didn't buy it from ikea i'll tell you that it's like marble and this heavy wood stuff and like like marble like the whole desk was marble and i'm like what in the world how do you even get this in the house and so we 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 go over there we're unloading stuff and Chris was there, too. And so we were, like, and um, Emilio. And there was a few of us young guys. And then there was a whole bunch of older people uh, from the Energizer group. I'm telling you, these people run circles around me. And they were there, like, like serving and working. Like, the first day, it was all the Energizer group. And then us younger guys kind of came in on Saturday and got some of the big stuff. But they were there cleaning, scrubbing, like, getting all this contaminated stuff out of there. And, and, I, and I was sitting. I, I, I showed up just in time for them to be done um i was bringing pizza but once again you know i i should have brought a nicer meal because it wasn't teenagers that i was bringing it to but i still kind of eat like a teenager so that's how i roll so when i think of food i think of pizza so i brought pizza and um and we all sat out in a park and ate it and i just thought while i was sitting around there i was like you know these are some of the most established people we have at city chapel these are some other the, the the these these are the type of people that they've reached the place in life where they usually hire somebody to do this for them for their own house. <laughs> you know, they just hire somebody to clean, to do this, to take care of. If if something like that happened in their house, they would just they would just be able to deal with it. They're kind of they've reached the place in life where they're kind of self-sufficient. They don't, and it's like, but yet these guys are the ones who are out here serving. I'm like, why is that? Maybe there's something more self-sufficiency maybe there's something called purpose that once you taste it it's like i want some more of that i want some more like like i i know i could pay for it but it's not as it doesn't mean as much when i when i sweat for it when i when i labor for it when I, and so this is what i'm talking about like the kind of joy the kind of serving that you would do even 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 if you could pay for somebody to do it you'd say never mind i'll just do it myself because it's so much fun to serve That's the kind of joy that Jesus wants us all to have and participate in, regardless of our age, young or old. Uh, He wants us to step into this joy. He says, says, "And, and by the way, my joy is fulfilled in you when this happens. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Okay, so what's the command? He says, my command is this, that you would love each other as I've loved you. And that's what we talked about last week. Greater love has no man than this, that lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, <laughs> Candace, Candace cracks me up. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Lord, I thank you for your word. And it's such, it's such life-giving. Your word, every single time we read it, God, there's, there's fresh truth and fresh revelation for us. Thank you, God, for your intention for us, toward us every single person in this room, I pray that as we continue preaching, as we continue unpacking this this passage, God, that you would open up yourself to us and let us see Jesus in all of His glory and all of His beauty and in all of His His grace. God, help us help us to receive some of that joy today. Help us to step into that joy that you have for us. Uh, and I uh, pray that you would uh, help help my fantasy team as well. That we would do as good as the Texans. The Bobcats, U of M, and MSU all did wonderful yesterday. We thank you for that. Amen. Um, one of my favorite movies uh, growing up, um, and I, I was sort of kind of grown up when it came out, but it was, it was still very applicable to my life. It's called Toy Story. anybody ever seen the, the original Toy Story, Pixar's breakthrough? It was like their first major motion picture. And for the time, the graphics were pretty amazing. But I think what really made Toy Story just a hit was the storyline the storyline was just was just genius. It was, a, it was really cool that you would have these toys, and, and, and somebody asked the question, what would happen if maybe toys had their own life that they lived when people weren't around? And that's really, the, that's really the premise of Toy Story, that these toys come to life, and they have a little society, and they have a little life inside of the room um, that they live. And so uh, Toy Story is based on this boy. His name's Andy. He has these toys, and his favorite toy is a little guy named Woody. And... Um, Woody is his cowboy doll, and he's written uh, his name in the bottom of his boot. You know, it says Andy on the bottom. And Woody's kind of the top dog in Andy's bedroom, which is basically their world. Andy's room is their world. And um, then a new guy comes into the world, uh, a little guy by the name of Buzz Lightyear. Anybody remember Buzz Buzz Lightyear? Yeah, Buzz Lightyear. There he is. (laughs) Uh, To infinity and beyond. Um, He comes into the room. What's, What's weird about Buzz is Buzz doesn't know he's a toy. Buzz thinks he is the Buzz Lightyear, so he has his, his lasers there, and he's always wanting to, you know, shoot people with the lasers. He sets it from stun to kill occasionally, and uh, so they say he can blink them to death. He also believes he can fly, and he sort of proves that, like like, within the first few minutes of him entering into Andy's bedroom. And and half of the movie is really about uh, uh, Woody trying to convince Buzz that that Buzz is not Buzz that he's not Buzz Lightyear he's not the he's not he's not the superhero Buzz Lightyear instead he is just a toy and this really frustrates Woody because Woody's very proud to be a toy he's very proud of of, of who he is. But Buzz just doesn't seem to get this because for him, he's he is uh, you know, he's 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 in charge of saving the Galactic Empire, for crying out loud, right? He's out to take out Zorg and um and and you know, save the entire universe. That's that's pretty much Buzz's job. He's convinced that he's a superhero and, and, and much of his, his frustration, much of his life in the beginning of the story is surrounding this delusion. And uh, as, as, as I was thinking about what I'm going to talk about today, I, I, I just thought of Buzz. Because I think in some way, we're all sort of a lot like Buzz Lightyear. We, we come into the world, and we think that we are um, something bigger and better than we really are. We believe uh, that we are like, sort of like a superhero of some sorts. Um, psychologists call this the Lake Wobegon effect. Um, it's the simple belief that, that, that all humans generally believe that they're fairly awesome. We do. We just we we have a general bias to believe that we are generally pretty cool. We're pretty awesome. And in fact, this is this 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 is something that we often look for, and and psychologists also talk about a confirmation bias. We look for things that would confirm would confirm this belief like we are awesome and so we constantly look for people and places and and things that that would sort of echo that back and confirm to us that yes we are awesome in fact every time we succeed there's a little something inside of us that says ah i knew it you know it's like "Ah, i am awesome it's true You know, and we all succeed sometimes. Maybe you have a talent, maybe you can sing, maybe you're really good at school, maybe, you know, maybe you're really good at your job, maybe you get a promotion. All of these things come to us and they help convince us that we are in fact Buzz Lightyear. We are in fact awesome. And what's funny is because we have a confirmation bias, whenever something comes toward us that would suggest otherwise, we generally think something is wrong with that thing. Right? So if somebody has a complaint about us, we typically think that that person has a problem. Like, there's something wrong with that person. That person doesn't see how awesome I am. There's something wrong with them. And so I need to convince them. I need to talk more to them about how my intentions really weren't bad. I really didn't mean that. I really, you know, Because I'm really awesome. I don't do things that are bad. I don't do that. Other people, less awesome people, probably do that. But as for me, I... Don't do that. And so whenever we come across things that, that, that sort of uh, disagree with, with our Lake Wobegon effect, with our, with, with our sense of awesomeness, we generally um, run from those things. We generally don't like those things. And so uh, this is exactly Buzz Lightyear. He is Buzz Lightyear, and he doesn't like Woody because Woody tells him that he's not Buzz Lightyear. Instead, he is just a toy. And, and, I, and I think many of us on, on several levels have dealt with this throughout our life. But the problem is that this often creates uh, frustration in our life, just like it did for Buzz. So Buzz is going through his life believing he's the Buzz Lightyear. And, um, you know, he sets his, his laser from stun to kill, and he blinks people to death. And there comes a point at which... At which he, he's standing on that banister, right? He's standing on the railing. He's looking out the window, and he's going to jump out the window, right? Because he can fly. He's got these big wings. They, they, they spread out. ring ring And, he, and he, he jumps, and in slow-mo, like, he starts to fall. Um, he doesn't fly. He falls. And you see him just kind of, like, on, on his way down to the wooden floor. He's just looking up until he lands on the wooden floor, and his arm breaks off, and he's laying there and and that's when it kind of hits him that maybe he's not awesome maybe he's not the buzz light year what's interesting is this is the same this is the same lie really that 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 satan told um Adam and Eve, in the very beginning, if you, if you flip back your Bible, go back to the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, you're going to find that, that when the snake came and talked to Adam and Eve and said, guys, look, here's, 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 here's this, this great thing that can happen. If you, if you eat this fruit that you're not supposed to, if you do what you're not supposed to do, then you will be like God. And so our ancestors desired to be more than human. They desired to be the Buzz Lightyear. They desired to be like God and it was that desire that really pulled them away from God. They said we want to be we want to be equal with God. We want to make our own decisions, we want to make our own choices. We want to carve out our own destiny. We want to be the master of our own fate. And so, and so when they when they did that, when they made that decision, what they did is they rejected they rejected God. Because they didn't want God to be their boss. They didn't want they wanted to be their own boss. And this is something that's very natural for us. Um, I have I have a couple of kids. I have two kids. We have two kids. We have one, Madden. She is six and a half years old. She's our oldest. She's our girl. She is definitely saved. Um, we have a younger one who is four. His name is Micah. He thinks he's saved. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Jury's still out. We're, we're trying to... We're trying to <laughs> he's, in, he's in development um, stage. And even just this week, we had, uh, I had a big, long conversation with him because he was having a really bad attitude. And four-year-olds tend to do this. This is not because he's an evil kid. This is because he's a normal kid, okay? This is normal. Nobody has to teach four-year-olds how to have bad attitudes. <laughs> they don't have to teach them how to hit other people or, or you know, how to how to talk back to mom and dad. Like, no, nobody has to... I never sat down and said, all right, son, this is how you disrespect your mom. Like, nobody had to tell him this. It's just natural. It's just, he He is... Like, like, so, like some people are like I'll just wait till you have a strong- willed child we're like no we got one His name's Micah and he, he, like what he what he believes that's the fact like that's life what he what he believes is truth and it's gospel and it's that, that's it it's really hard to convince him otherwise He's very very strong willed and that's good God's going to use that later in his life but for right now we're trying to help him get connected to Jesus. And so, we're having some conversations with him, which, by the way, um, whenever we preach about parenting, whenever that is, we are going to preach and teach that you ought to have conversations with your little kids. Four-year-olds understand a lot. And so, he he had this just grumpy, mean-spirited attitude, just awful, and it sort of started around the time that we put him in timeout. (laughs) So, we put him in timeout for one thing, and while he sat in timeout and watched us play with Madden and play games and stuff, he got like more and more mad like you know just like this wasn't right and you could just see it like Micah if it's if it's happening in here it's it's showing up right here like he's 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 just as he wears it on his sleeve it's just there and so and so I took him aside and I said man what's going on I don't know that's his favorite answer um and I said well you better you know who do I ask then to find out you know Once again, I don't know. I asked him that one time when he wanted breakfast. He's like I was like, What he's he's hungry, so well, what do you want for breakfast? I don't know. So who should I ask? And so I so I asked the dog. He thought that was funny, but um, <laughs> He has a good sense of humor. Uh, and so you know, I said, Well who do I ask to find out? I don't know. And so he just didn't want to talk about it. I said, Well then you're gonna have to sit here for a little while longer until you're ready to talk. So he finally came back and, and I and I said, Can I tell you what I think is going on? He said, Yeah. I said, Well, I think you're kind of mad. Is that right? Are you mad? Yeah. So, okay, why are you mad? Because <laughs> you made me sit over there in the corner where you guys played. I said, Yeah. Okay. Like, why does that make you mad? Why does it make you mad when dad when dad makes you do something? Because I wanted to play. I said, Okay. All right. So basically, what you're saying is, is, is that you know. So we are we're, we're kind of walking walking through this. That's how we that's how we talk with our kids. And and so finally, I said, Okay. Well, who's who's in charge? Who's the boss uh, of of our home? And he said, Well, God. I said, Yes. Okay. That's true. And who has God put in charge of you? I said, well, you and mom. I said, that's right. So why should you be mad when we do what God's told us to do? When we discipline you when you do something wrong? Like, is that, is that something we should do or shouldn't do? And so we had that discussion. Because there was such a, um, his, his, his anger was not fueled at the fact, it um, was, wasn't just fueled at the fact that he wanted to do something but he couldn't. It was ultimately fueled at the fact that mom and dad were were, were in charge. The Mom and dad were the boss, and he wanted to be the boss. All four-year-olds want to be the boss. <laughs> I was getting my haircut yesterday, and there was a four-year-old in front of me who was kind of the boss, actually, <laughs> until his mom literally carried him out, like, kicking and screaming. Um, you know, get in the chair. I don't want to get in the chair. Well, if you get in the chair, and then it would be the bribery, you know, and... And and the kid is smart. He's not falling for that. Okay, I'm going to count to three, as if that's going to do something. And so they count to three, and then nothing. Okay, I I wasn't shocked. The kid wasn't shocked. Nobody was shocked. The kid wanted to be the boss. Like, he wanted to be the boss. Every four-year-old wants to be the boss because inside of all of us is a belief that we are, in fact, the boss. We are, in fact, Buzz Lightyear. We can make our own decisions. We can choose. we, We are the master of our own fate. And this is the delusion that we're born with because of our ancestors, because they chose to, 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 to embrace that reality. And every single call of the gospel is really a call away from that reality. You are not a vine. You are a branch. <laughs> and if you are not connected to the vine, you don't have life on your own. You just, you just don't. It's not that God comes down and squashes you. It's that you wither and die just because you don't have life within you. You must find a life source you must find a vine you must find jesus christ that you plug into him and you receive life from him and you're still even when you plug into him you're still dependent on him this is where you find your purpose you find your purpose in christian community connected to jesus life will never make sense until you connect to your life source of Jesus Christ. And in fact, for, for Buzz Lightyear, the, his pivotal moment came when Woody had a conversation with them. And because Buzz figured out he was a toy, we're all going to come to that place. We're all going to fall flat on our face and look up and say, I guess I'm not as awesome as I thought I was. And so when we come to that place, it was so good that he had, Buzz, that he had Woody to say to him, Buzz, you're not just a toy. You are Andy's toy. And Andy finds joy in you. And when Buzz figured out that his purpose was not to save the Galactic Empire, (laughs) number one, it took a huge weight off his shoulder. So many of us walk around with heaviness on our shoulders because we think it's our job to save the Galactic Empire. Sort of, this is a parable. But, um, you know, we believe it's our job (laughs) to save our kids, to fix our families, to deal with... Uh, all of the, like everything, it's on us. It's up to us because we are pretty awesome. We can handle it. We can get it. But at some point, you're going to try to fly and you're going to fall flat on your face. And at that point, you need to understand that you are just a human. But you're not just any human, you're God's human. And He finds joy in you. And when you look at the bottom of your foot, I know there's no God written on the bottom of our feet, but. <laughs> When you look on the inside of your soul, you're going to find the signature of God on each and every one of us. And that gives you value. And that says you can plug into the life source of Jesus Christ. And you deserve to be a part of that tree. You were created for that tree, you were created to be a part of the family of God. And this is what, this is my first point. You have to know whose you are. And secondly, you have to know who you are. Really, finally, you have to know who you are you know, whose you are, who you belong to. But you also have to know uh, who you are. And so this comes with, once you plug into that life source, once you plug into that tree, you're going to find that, that there are things inside of you that God put there from the very beginning. So I have some scriptures uh, that uh, Emilio is going to find, Ephesians 4, 7, and, and uh, verses 11 through 12 as well, speaks about um, God giving different gifts to each and every one of us. Scripture says that when, when, we were, when we were infants, that God was knitting us together in our mother's womb. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made. You've been made on purpose with a purpose. And God has already, whether you, whether you believe in him or not, he's already put gifts inside of you. And these gifts is what uh, Scripture calls grace. He says, to each one of us, uh, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave apostles, Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, in order to equip his people for the works of service, or another translation says for good works, these these graces or these gifts. the 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 the, the original word there is um uh well, you can't really pronounce it in English, but it's 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 charis. That's the the closest pronunciation. It's charis, which means which means something that is given in order to beautify, in order to bring joy, in order to bring happiness in order to bring good so god has given us gifts he's put stuff down inside of us in order to bring out good in the world in order to bring out beauty in the world in order to call out and to and to bring out the the pleasures and delights that he has planned from the from the very beginning of time he's put something inside of you and he's put something inside of me when i was six years old i had no idea that i would be preaching in fact, I definitely would never have wanted to preach. I'm very much like our oldest, Madden, who pretty much she was born saved. You know, that was me as well. I was just, you know, I was special. I was the chosen one. I was just born, like I was just, I was always compliant. I was always wanting to do good, you know, and all that kind of thing. But I was very shy. I was very, very shy. Very, like, I had a stutter problem. And I did not, I didn't even like to talk to people like one-on-one, and I still sort of, um, I still am not very good at it, actually, which is why whenever I meet all you new people in the hallway, I will not be by myself. My wife will be with me, because she is awesome at meeting new people. Me, I'm like, oh, hi, what's your name? And then once I get that, I run out of questions. I'm like... (laughs) Oh, where are you from? Uh duh, I don't know. Like I, I run out of stuff to say and talk about. Like i I'm, I'm very much. An introvert, very much I, I, I like to sit and think. I, I, I like to drive in the car by myself. I like all of these things are things that I find pleasurable and good, and 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 the idea of standing up and talking in front of a bunch of people. Number one, I have nothing to say. Number two, I'm scared to death, you know, of, of, of doing that. So the first sermon I ever preached, I was 12 years old, and it's because we were in a little church of like 30 people, and there was like four young people, and uh, they, they wanted to do a Christmas service, and so they, they looked around at the four of us, and I was the, like the oldest one, and they said, well, Harry, I guess you're preaching. And so I got up there, and I was so nervous. I had notes. I had about five or six pages worth of notes, and uh, my mom helped me put them together like the night before because I'm also a procrastinator. and um, <laughs> That's for another sermon. Uh, and so I'm, 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 I'm reading. My first page was great, but when I turned the pages, like I was so nervous, I grabbed multiple pages and just turned. And then I just kept going. Like, I was like, I didn't, I didn't look up the whole time. Like, seriously, there was a podium, and I was like this. And um, somehow it got recorded, actually. The old cassette tape is somewhere floating around. Uh, I preached on Matthew chapter 6, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Um, it's a passage that meant a lot to me. And uh, at the end of my little 15-minute sermon, 10-minute, I don't forget, but... Uh, it felt like an eternity. My mom had written on the note, she's like, then speak from your heart. Like, that's the end. That's how you close. And so I had nothing else to say. I just had to look up and look at people. <laughs> Be like, so yeah, um, hmm, the reason why I'm talking. And something happened whenever that happened. Whenever I just started speaking from my heart, it just it connected with people. And I noticed that when I was 12. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And, and it began speaking to people. So then every year, Harry was the speaker for the youth young adults in, um, and uh, right on through, and then, and, and then God just began calling me, and, and it, was, it was the most humbling and the hardest thing for me to do, at, at first, to say yes to God, because I didn't want, I still didn't want to preach, I still hated it, um, I, I was sick to my stomach like the whole day before, every time I preached, um, luckily I got over that last week, so, <laughs> Saturdays are good now. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, um, but I'm still, I'm still, like, it's still something that I feel is still very, it's very very nerve-wracking at times, and, and it's not, it, but, 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 but God will put something inside of you that you don't even think is inside of you, and then when you submit yourself to him, he'll pull it out of you, and you're like, where'd that, where'd that come from? I didn't think I could do that, and then you realize, yeah, then you realize that you were made for it. <laughs> you look back in your life, and you're like, okay. I was always really good at arguing. <laughs> I told somebody that once. I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a kid, because I was so good, like as a little six-year- old like I could I could run s- mental circles around people, like the other six-year- olds they'd try to argue and and, and and then I would just like destroy them and um, and then walk away laughing. Is really mean, but that's what I did when I wasn't saved. okay. Um, after I found Jesus, though, that same thing of being able to think on your feet and stuff like that comes in handy when you're preaching, apparently. Um, but there's stuff inside of you that has been there from the very beginning that will only you're only going to find it when you, when, you, when you connect with Jesus. There's a scripture that I had missed in Ephesians chapter 1. I want to close out by reading this. It says that it's in Christ that we find out who we are. <laughs> and what we are living for because really christ long before we even heard of him and got our hopes up he had his eye on us he had designs on us for glorious living part of his overall purpose he's working out in everything and in everyone there's gifts inside of you there's there's strengths and there's weaknesses and there's things inside of you that are just you think are just natural or just hereditary or you just happened upon the reason why they're in you is for you to use them for God. Your purpose in life is to serve God by serving others. That when we submit to God, when we allow him to pull stuff out of us that we didn't even think were there, when we allow him to use what little gifts we have, when we allow him and say, God, these things are yours. I'm plugging into the life source of Jesus. I'm, I'm submitting my life to him and, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm opening myself, making myself available. It's amazing how he uses us to impact other people, and that's how you find your purpose. 1 Peter 4, 10 in the New Living Translation says that God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. I love that. And so this is his instruction. To you, to me, manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. So many times we have gifts, but we don't manage them. You say, well, what is manage? That original word manage literally means to, um, to cultivate like somebody who owns a field. So God's given you these seeds of greatness and seeds of, of, of abilities, but you have to cultivate them. And those of us who are not farmers, which is probably just about all of us, um, don't have a clue. I don't have a clue how to grow anything. Um but I know it needs sun, it needs water, it needs soil. Those are the things that I am pretty, pretty, pretty certain of. And it needs lots of attention, lots of cultivation. You have to constantly keep checking on it, constantly keep going back to your garden, making sure that things are growing the way they should be growing. And that's what it means to manage the gifts that God's given you. You have to constantly, number one, you have to you have to discover them, but then you have to develop them. You have to you have to manage them. You have to 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 grow them. And so here's your practical application for for this Sunday. This is how, at City Chapel, this is how we discover and how we grow, how we manage the gifts that God has given us. And it starts, really, with a class that we have on the third Sunday of every month, coming up next Sunday. My lovely wife teaches it. It's called um, Discovery uh, 301. That's why it's called Discovery, because really what we do is we have uh, a bunch of tests, and um, we hook electrodes up to your brain, and, um you know, hypnotize you and it's great it's awesome no just kidding um it's called discovery because it's a class designed specifically to help you find out what you're good at what your natural gifts are but then also what your spiritual gifts are so there's two different things your natural aptitudes and then there's your spiritual um callings and these are two different things and so we have two different tests to walk you through that and then at the end of the class my wife talks to you about using those gifts and they may be used here at City Chapel. They may be used on your job. They may be used somewhere to bring glory to God, to help people, all right? So your gifts can be used to help people and eventually to point people to Jesus to bring him glory. And without this, life never makes sense. There's a guy, and I'll I'll, I'll close with this story. There was was a guy that, um, back when I was an associate pastor at the church we were at before this in San Marcos, um, this is years ago, uh, it was on our day off. I think it was Friday. Was our day off at that point? I can't really remember. But it was our it was our day off, and uh, we were getting ready to um, have our family Fleming fun day, Friday, um, and we were going to go to the mall because. That's what I like to do for Fleming Family Fun Day Friday. because uh, this. But anyway, so it was my turn to pick what we're doing, so we're going to the mall. And so we're, we're getting up, we're getting ready, we're going, and I get a phone call from the church secretary who happened to go into the church office just on the day off. She forgot something. She was just going in, and she says, there's a guy here in the parking lot, and he wants to talk to a pastor. I said, yeah, well, it's my day off, so um, maybe you should talk to him. Um, I'm going to the mall. Um, no, that sounds that sounds bad. It sounds bad. But basically the way I look at it is I spend six days a week helping other families. If I don't spend one day a week helping my own family, uh, then I'm not going to have a family. You all will keep your families. I'm not going to have a family. So I prioritize my family. And so even now on Fridays, we have family family, fun day, Friday. And if you send me an email, you probably won't hear back from me on that day. I'll get back to you Saturday. Um, but... Half the time, I just turn my phone off, and we just go do something, and it's my, my kid's favorite day of the week, and uh, honestly, it's my second favorite. I think Sunday is still my favorite, especially when I beat Ricky at uh, uh, fantasy football, but, um, <laughs> 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 but Jesus is still I mean, my favorite part of Sunday. I <laughs> said, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was my day off. I don't, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. And I said, I'll talk to him. Just put him on the phone. And so she puts him on the phone. He's just, he's hysterical. He's weeping. And and he found out the night before that his wife was cheating on him with like one of his best friends who also went to the church. And I said, Oh man, this guy is really distraught. I said, Babe, I think we need to take a break from our day and just, you know, just because I was concerned about his mental health. He was really distraught. He was I could barely understand him. So I sat down, we sat down with him and I said all right man just tell me what's going on it was just grief counseling you know he's just unloading and and he's talking about how this was not the first time that this had happened this this that his wife had cheated on him in his 12 years of marriage it wasn't the first time and he was just broken he was just completely broken and so we listened to him and he opened up about the other parts of his life like like he had been unemployed for like 3 4 months um, he had this pain in his body that, like, for 10 years, he was taking pain pills every single day. And he'd gone to several healing, you know, services, had people lay hands on him and put oil on his head and all the kind of thing. And he wasn't healed. And so everything in his life was just piling up. I mean, he was feeling failure, 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 like he couldn't provide for his family, like he wasn't enough for his wife. And, like, you know, he couldn't even deal with his own body. He was just, 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 he was under all this stuff. And, uh, and, and he looked at me and he said, Pastor Harry, I like your preaching. And I believe in all the positive stuff you say about how God loves us, has a plan for us, and 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 all of that. But it just doesn't seem to be happening for me. I go to church every Sunday. I, I, I even give to the church financially. And yet I don't have a job. And yet I can't live without pain. And I can't have a wife that's faithful. And he said, you know, it, I guess it's... Just, it's fi- I, 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 he said, I feel like God's not keeping up his end of the bargain. I'm doing my stuff. He's not doing his. And that's real. That's real. That's real talk. I love real talk. I, I, I love just cut through all the religious junk and just tell me what you really feel. <laughs> Let's just be honest. And, uh, man, I totally understand where that's coming from. And I also knew that I could quote scripture to him and it wouldn't really help because he had already heard me preach a lot of scripture and already heard, he, he he knew all of that. And theologically, I mean, I could fall back on my Bible college training and start going down. God loves the whole world. God loves you. He'll never leave you, forsake you. And just, just go, I, I, I could go there, but he wasn't he wasn't able to hear it because he was under so much pressure, so much shame, so much failure, so much I said, well, I, I can't argue with you right now, <laughs> I'm not going to, I said, but you know that what you're saying is not true, I know what you're saying is not true, both of us know this, but we really, we, we, I don't want to argue with you, I want to help you, and so what I can do is I can meet with you once a week, you can come to my office, and we'll go through a book that my wife had told me about, which is a workbook, which is the book we're taking all the guys through right now, it's called Experiencing Christ Within, so I've never been through the book. My wife said it was awesome. So you and I will go through it together. And so he, he missed the first week, so I thought he was going to bail on me completely. And he showed up the next week. I was like, sweet, okay. And so we started going through this. And in the very introduction, I mean the very introduction, it talks about how, how we have in, like, in our own heads, we have, messed, we have flipped things around. We have messed things up. We have believed that there is a contract that we can have with God where, 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 where he will make our lives pretty good here and then eventually he'll make them really good when we get to heaven. Like it's his job to, 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 to make our lives good here. And then it's gonna be his job to make it even better later on. And that's kind of the contract, It's the deal. That's the deal, that bargain that he thought he had made with God. It's like, if you just do your things, then God will, woo. he'll do all this other stuff. it will be awesome. And then we get really broken and really confused when it doesn't work out that way and, and, and bad things still happen. And we question our purpose. And we question the purpose of everything. And it's because we still think we're Buzz Lightyear. We still don't realize that we are just a human. And we're going to make mistakes. And our spouses are going to make mistakes. And our jobs are going to make mistakes. And um, if everybody knew how awesome you were, they would definitely hire you. problem is they just don't know how awesome you are. And, 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 And that's life. And it's going to happen. You're going to come across these areas where you go to jump and you try to fly like Buzz Lightyear and you fall flat on your face but that's not your lowest point your lowest point is when you think you're Buzz Lightyear when you're laying there with your arm busted out sucking down Darjeeni with the Headless Sisters that's a quote for those of you that don't know <laughs> I'm Mrs. Nesbitt don't you see my hat um, anyway he had tea with the girls it's a whole nother part of the story, but um, that was not his lowest point. The lowest point was when he was believing that he was capable and able. And, <laughs> that was his highest point, when he could finally come to the realization that I am just a toy, but I'm Andy's toy. And so this is our invitation to you. This is our invitation every single week to accept the ownership of Jesus Christ over your life. To say, I am just a human, but I'm his human. And even if my life, even if I fall flat on my face and my arms broken off and things are messed up, that does not reflect my ownership. That does not reflect the fact that I am still his toy. I'm still his human. I'm still, and I still can please him. I still can make him happy. And that can be my ultimate purpose. Whatever you have messed up, whatever when you thought you were buzzed and invincible, whatever bad decisions you made, those things do not erase the fact that you are still his human and he still finds pleasure in you. And that's the offer of salvation. And so I'm gonna have everybody close our eyes and just bow our heads for a moment. And if you'd like to receive that ownership right now, i just like you to raise your hand and just enter into a prayer with me where we declare him as our, as our owner. We declare him as our God. Yeah, and as I tell my Micah, we declare him as our boss. He's in charge, and if he chooses to do whatever he chooses to do, I'm not going to get upset at him because he's in charge. He has the right to do that, and that's what we do right now, Lord. Why don't you go ahead and pray with me? Just say, dear God, I give you the ownership of my life. Forgive me for going my own way. And today I turn my life over to you. You can do whatever you want with my life. (laughs) Yeah. In Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. You can go to church for a long time and never make that decision. Yeah, yeah, for those who made that decision, that's awesome are so thrilled people are making that decision because that's what it's about. That's where you start to find purpose. It's not in church. It's not in singing. It's not in, in preaching. It's in recognizing that you're just a human and you're his human. And that's when life starts to make sense. I remember when I sat with that guy and he started to realize that he started to, he started to figure that out. And he was just weeping one day. He's like, I've had it all upside down. I thought if I did this then God was going to just do all of this and yet it still wasn't making me happy one day he came to my office and he's like man like I got healed last week I said what he said yeah I just woke up and didn't I forgot my pain pills and then I was fine and then the next day I was like well maybe I'm gonna be fine again so then I was fine like all this week I've been fine like I've been healed I said well that's really cool that's awesome. Okay, and there's a passage of scripture that says, "I pray that your body would prosper as your soul prospers." And I think there's a correlation sometimes to that. And so as he was being healed in his soul, he was realizing, that. and then and then his marriage started to come together. And his wife said she wanted to try again, and he wanted to try because sometimes, um, sometimes the other spouse doesn't want to try, but he wanted to try again. And actually, he wanted to start doing the things he should have been doing before. And he started doing dishes, and she started doing laundry, and it was was awesome. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then he got, he got hired on within like a, a couple months. He got a, he got a job. Um, and he still took time out to meet with me. Um, and then he started leading a small group <laughs> at the church we were at. And he started uh, talking to his kids about God. And, 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 and it was just amazing to see him just come alive. Because as long as you think you're Buzz Lightyear, it's so hard it's so hard. But as soon as you just release that, man, and you realize that you're his, 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 his human, it's so easy, it's so joyful to live as his human. And it's amazing to see what he does. And so I'm looking forward to hearing reports of what happens here at City Chapel as we turn our lives over.